Hello and welcome to episode 50-5-0 of A Need to Read. It has been 50 episodes coming, but we're finally here. I can't believe I've done 50 episodes of a podcast. Um, If you told me one year ago that that's what I'd be doing on the 3rd of November, whatever year this is, 2020... I'd have probably laughed at you. So thank you very much, everyone that has listened and liked it so far. And even if you've listened and you haven't liked it, well, the joke's on you because you fed my ego by downloading and listening to it. So thank you very much to you as well. Without me waffling on about how grateful I am, because I am very, very grateful, but I'll spare you. This episode is with Mr. Phil Bound. He is the author of a fantastic book called Cows Can't Jump. You would have heard my short review on episode 43. If you haven't, feel free to go back and catch up on that before you listen to me and Phil have a chat today. Um, And obviously, feel free to pause this and go and buy the book so you can listen to us um, have a chat and know exactly what we're talking about. But there aren't too many spoilers in here. It was just a good chat with a good bloke. Um, I'm not the good bloke. Phil's a good bloke. But it was great. I love chatting to him. It was my first podcast that I'd done in real life as well, like face-to-face in a podcast studio. It was mental. I mean, the energy wasn't mental, but, like, it was just crazy to be in a podcast studio. And I wouldn't have done it if it wasn't for everyone that's listening. So, once again, big shout-out to you lot. Now, before we get into the episode, obviously a word from our sponsors over at BetterHelp. Now, with the UK heading into a second lockdown, you're probably going to have a lot more time. You're probably going to have a lot more time to think. And sometimes your thoughts don't serve you all too well. And if you're anything like me, first lockdown, I got pretty sad. And I reached back out to my therapist and started doing some online therapy again. BetterHelp provide online therapy, licensed therapists for an affordable rate. You can get 10% off at BetterHelp.com dot com forward slash a need to read that's 10 percent off your first month and that's 10 percent off a price that is far more affordable than face-to-face counseling and i really do mean that i'm not just pulling the wool over your eyes it's about 40 50 percent cheaper and you get a therapist matched to your needs you can choose them age gender other things that people are specified by nowadays and you're matched to them. 48 hours later, you can be having a chat with a therapist. If therapy is something that you're seriously considering, like it is an investment, it's still not cheap, but head to there, you get 10% off your first month. I've had a few people have actually clicked through and gone through it and have already messaged me saying how much they're enjoying it. So thank you to those people um, for trusting in me. I wanted to make sure that I got the best of the best for the sponsors for this podcast. And it seems that I've done that. So thank you very much. Once again, that is betterhelp.com forward slash a need to read you get 10% off your first month and that is the end of my waffle about sponsors this episode's with phil Bown. my name's ed cunningham you're probably a legend i hope you enjoy it yeah mr phil Bown, yeah. the author of <laughs> cows can't jump welcome to a need to read and thanks for coming on mate thank you for having me lovely to be here yeah well this is uh <laughs> this is my first one in an actual studio yeah this is pretty posh actually isn't it and we're, we're making do with this mic in between, so we'll have to just ask you, we'll have to speak Yeah, up, am like, I close speak, enough to reckon? Speak towards the mic. I think you're close enough now. Yeah. Um, 
but I'm, I'm gonna ask you that horrible question mm. that I have to ask everyone is just for everyone that doesn't know you that's listening please do introduce yourself and tell us a bit about you okay so you're right it's a horrible question um, <laughs> I'm I just turned 27 so I look about 40 as well so that's not great um, <laughs> I speak up I, I so I wrote my first book it's just been published cows can't jump um, which I wrote while I was working running a bar at London Bridge called the Dover Castle shout out to them probably not listening um, I hope they are I hope they are as well someone from there should be at least um, but now I work for the Wombles which are you might not know what they are you might know what they are Wombles of Wonder Common um, which we're just like in development at the moment I can't say too much more about it <laughs> very sneaky, very sneaky. So you definitely work for MI5 then, and not yeah, the it's a yeah. hidden identity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. Okay, good cover, good cover. Um, obviously, you, you wrote Cows Can't Jump. You're one of the first authors to actually send me a book, which I appreciate massively. I was like, oh my god, someone sent me something. <laughs> this is insane. And like, I've had a couple of people send me like Kindle books before, and I'm like, it doesn't make too much sense. Like, there's no actual effort in that. Yeah. And as soon as you said you sent me, like, it came the next day and I was like mm, yeah I'll probably read it like in in the next six weeks yeah yeah and the day that I sat down to read it mate, like <laughs> I hadn't expected to actually like read it in a whole day and I've only ever done that with one book before which really? was surrounded by idiots which completely different book yeah yeah um non-fiction book so it's a testament to what you wrote and I appreciate absolutely that. loved the book um, that's class thank you so much mate that's so lovely to hear yeah and there's a, there's a lot in the book that I felt like I'd like to have written <laughs> <laughs> and obviously like, we, were, we were talking before about how not enough like guys our age yeah, are reading but if they are their secret readers yes I hate it yeah I hate it why just 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 tell people about it and that's why I love this podcast that you've got going it's, getting people out of their box and yeah. telling, telling people about books that they've enjoyed. Yeah. Um, well, that's, that's, that's the idea, is, is to get people into it. There's a, there's a few things in your book. Obviously, well, firstly, I want to know what inspired it. Did you, did you write it in 2016? It's based in 2016. Yes. But did you write it in 2016? Um, oh, fuck, it's such a difficult question. Can I swear on this podcast? Oh, mate, as much as you want. Nice. Um, I wrote, so, you know the cow story? The suicidal cow story is like the centre point of the book. Yeah. That was a short story that I wrote in 2015, I think. Yeah. And then I kind of started, I finished, I graduated uni that year. Um, and my lecturers were kind of like encouraging me to expand it. Yeah. And I was quite keen to as well. Um, so then through the back end of 2015 into 2016 I kind of got my first draft together yeah but it didn't really have a strong sense of time and place so it was kind of yeah. like this could be in 1994 it could be in 2010 whatever yeah um, so some of the feedback I got was this needs to be grounded in time and place like you need okay. to know when it's set where it's set and I was like that's exactly what I need to be told like yeah. that's exactly what it was missing um and it was then 2016 going into 2017 so I had a bit of you know 2016 was like you said before it's such a weird year like yeah fucking weird I don't think like people don't really remember it as well especially now because 2020 is fucked 
Oh yeah. I mean, this is like light reading now. Like, remember how easy it was? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when everyone was racist, there was just an EU referendum. Yeah. Pokemon Go. <laughs> like, yeah, I had to throw that. In. Yeah, that's that's a good thing about this book is I, I like those little subtle throwbacks. Yeah. That like you don't spend too much time on, but it just makes you feel almost like a little bit nostalgic. Like, ah, oh, when simpler times when that's yeah. what we're worried about. <laughs> We're worried about the Chinese controlling us through Pokemon Go, <laughs> as opposed to with a virus that some yeah. people are alluding to now. Honestly. So, um, yeah, sorry, carry on. Um, yeah, sorry, so I was, I kind of used that timeline of, because you know loads of celebrities died that year? Yes, yeah. so weird. Like every month it was like, who are we going to lose now? So it's like Bowie, Wogan, Rickman, all these like little legends of, what you know showbiz or whatever so i was just like sweet that's my timeline yeah so every sort of month almost and everything that billy does and goes on his journey throughout that year is sort of checkpointed by you know prince dying or um i can't even remember i, can't, I, sh- I should I can't know because it's my book but i don't <laughs> yeah, yeah you wrote it a long time ago yeah and have you read it back in full yes i had and to countless times i imagine or too many times mate to the point where I'm like, I hate this now. Um, <laughs> Good, that's the honesty we need. Don't, but, don't, feel, don't hold back on what you're going to say. Yeah, like, no, like, <laughs> I had to read it through, I think, two or three times about a month before publication. Yeah. And I was just like, that's not funny. That's, like, that's shit writing. Um, and I was like, no, oh, this is, oh, I don't want to publish this anymore. <laughs> but then I kind of, like, you know, decompressed and just was like, okay you've been through it so many times yeah. you've put so much work into it um, it's, it's just so because it's unfamiliar it? mate really like, yeah. you just you know when you've I don't know if you've ever I mean you just told me that you never read your uni essays back or school essays back or whatever yeah. um, it's that sort of thing where you just go over something so many times you're just like oh man this is all shit <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, know, but, I know what you mean yeah. it's, one of, it's one of those things it's like um <laughs> There's only so many times you can look at something until you decide you completely hate it. Exactly. Even if it's the best <laughs> thing in the world. Like, and, and especially when it's your own. Like, if I listen to my podcast back exactly. too many times, yeah, I've, yeah. I've got a limit of about one. If I listen back again, I'm like, I need to do the whole thing. Like, I recorded an episode the other day, and I was listening listening to it back, and I thought, I need to do the whole thing. And it's like a 40-minute episode. I'm like, no, no. Just, like, you have to just believe in it. Don't exactly. You? Like, that's my problem out there. <laughs> yeah that's my big problem um, but it's been nice people have been like yourself you've been quite positive about it so it's kind of put that self doubt to the yeah. to the back of my mind of it, which is, but it's always going to creep in annoyingly it does there's yeah. so many confidence you can take and you're like yeah, can you shut up now because I actually do just hate myself and I hate my work yeah so. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing I've got to the point now where like the Instagram tour has like gone up and stuff people have been quite positive I'm like yeah but they're just being nice <laughs> they don't actually think that um, but hopefully some of them actually do think that yeah like, I do think that <laughs> like yeah, I, thought, I thought it was brilliant I, I wanted to ask you about obviously it's centred around Billy who's what like 16 17 years old yeah in the book how much of Billy is loosely based on stuff that has happened in like your lived experience um, not as much as people like to think I think oh. which yeah no I mean the thing is with Billy the best way I can describe it is you know when you go down a fair when you're a kid yep 
you know the house of mirrors yeah you know you walk in you kind of see this version of yourself in this like warped distorted mirror yeah that's kind of how i think of billy is like i can kind of recognize some of what's going on there but also what the hell is that like it's a different thing altogether so a lot of the places billy goes to are places i've been to because i find it almost impossible to write about a place that i've never been to yeah yeah, cool um so like bled where the climax happens which i won't give away too much about i've been to multiple times um cheltenham i studied in at university so i know the town quite well um where else bournemouth you gave bournemouth a shout out in the book yeah i love bournemouth yeah (laughs) love it there mate um (laughs) been recently actually whenever summer um so yeah a lot of the places i've been to and like that's based on my experience of the place but a lot of billy's you know like fuck ups and the things that he does Mm. aren't unfortunately maybe fortunately actually for me but one of i mean the most autobiographical moment in the whole book is the postal scam at wh smith no which way. is a clean cut of what i did basically <laughs> that is sick can you tell people what that was because i thought that was so yeah. funny <laughs> um so my second or third year at uni i think in cheltenham i'd actually just been ripped not ripped off well yeah i guess actually i'd been conned uh, <laughs> and i thought i was i thought i was going to be in debt of about 12 grand you didn't send any money to like a Nigerian prince. No, no, it wasn't quite that simple. Um, it was a really complicated situation. Thankfully, it ended up being solved. Like, I didn't, I didn't end up getting ripped off of any money, but it was a really dodgy situation. But anyway, I thought at this point, I was like, shit, I'm in so much debt. Um, and I was already skint anyway because I was a student. Um, and term had just started, so I needed like a new notebook for, for uni. Yeah. And I was just like, shit, I literally have like... I was like a grand in my overdraft or something stupid. I was yeah. just like, fuck, I've got nothing. Um, so I nipped down to WH Smith's in Cheltenham Town Centre. Um, didn't really have a plan going into it. I just went in sort of on the ground floor. You've got all the like stationary notebooks, which is what I needed, and envelopes. So I was like, sweet. Got my notebook and I saw the envelopes. And I was like, oh, that's an idea. There's a post office upstairs. So I sort of slipped this notebook into an envelope. And um, what just sort of nipped upstairs, and you know, when the post office have got all the pens out, <laughs> so I just wrote my own name and address on. Walked up to the counter and was like, "Can I um, just send this first class?" And it was like one pound twenty or something. She was like, "Yeah, can I just ask what it is?" And I was like, oh, "They're on to me." <laughs> <laughs> but they do that all the time anyway. Um, I was just like, "Ah, oh, it's a book." You've not stolen notebook. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I promise, I've paid for it. Um, Obviously, he didn't say that, but they, they didn't clock on. So I just sort of posted this notebook to myself um, and walked out of the store, like, empty-handed, just like, that was the perfect crime. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not so lucrative, but, like, it got you, it got you <laughs> yeah. from A to the B. The notebook was literally, like, eight quid or something. I was like, I'll get a posh one. Um, yeah, one of those moleskin ones. Literally, yeah. I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. And did you do it multiple times, or was it just No, I did it once, um, I think. And did you get in trouble for it? No, I never, no, no, never got caught. Okay, so then the whole story is fabricated. Um, for yes, the so, of any yeah. um, snitches that are listening. Basically. Yeah, snitches do get stitches. Yeah, yeah <laughs> for real. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. that was one of my favourite parts of the book. Like, like, and that is a, a 
mean, I'm not going to say it's a genius idea, but like that is a pretty good idea. In the book, I did the police officer goes, "That is genius, mate." Obviously, it's not. It's fucking stupid. But uh, <laughs> I had to give myself some credit. Yeah, yeah a little nod to yourself. But there were parts of the book that I was reading as like Billy is a like a 17 year old. Yeah, yeah. That I was like it's actually me as like a 24 year old oh totally so like it's about him like just being a bit ignorant yeah, yeah and like he's very he's very ignorant at the start and definitely obviously sort of comes of age sort of through the book through lots of silly things but one thing is about like his dealings with girls and like being a virgin until he was like 17 like I wasn't I wasn't a virgin until I was 17 nor was I <laughs> but like he's, he's like him being inept with girls yeah. For the most part, yeah, yeah, totally. Was something I was like, yeah, do you know what? I can, I can, I feel that. Yeah, I feel that. <laughs> and that's so much fun to write as well. Like, I mean, I think it maybe wasn't the best sell for some publishers. They were like, yeah, okay, so this is like you're taking the piss out of this guy because he's a virgin. It's like, yeah, kind of. Um, yeah, <laughs> but also it's going to be endearing. Like every guy kind of goes through that struggle of like being awkward with women and being awkward with girls or whatever. Um, and Billy is no exception, as you'd be well aware. His, yeah. his failings are quite apparent throughout the book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. It's weird that, like, how some publishers wouldn't want that. Because um, I was watching a podcast the other day and Seth Rogen wrote Superbad at the age of 14. It's insane, isn't it? And pitched it to loads and loads of those people and they kept saying no and kept saying no. Oh, really? And it's probably for the same, similar sort of reason. Like, well, you can't take the piss out of Virgin. <laughs> yeah, you can. <laughs> <Feel> it, man. <laughs> exactly. I just don't... Yeah, I think it is a thing. I think publishing is a very, generally quite a very serious industry. Yeah. And I don't know. It's something that I... I don't know. I, I can't say that that was the reason, like... There were times when I was submitting the book when it wasn't good enough. Like, I know that for yeah. a fact. I, su- I started submitting it way too early um, and it definitely wasn't good enough. But I did get it to the point where I was like, you know, I was like 24 and I'd finished the book and it was in the state it is now pretty much, minus yeah. a few very small changes. It still took two years to get it out there. Like, people were still like, mm, not sure. Like, this is. <laughs> it's pretty mad. Like, ha- do you know how, how many copies have been like printed, or like how many copies have you sold so far? Do you know? I actually don't know. Um, so it was a shortish print run for the first first run, which sold out in like two days, which I was like, that's mad. What what counts as shortish? If I think know. it was around a thousand, but I'm yeah. not sure. Um, like I don't get the exact figures. That's no. a bit of a stab in the dark. Um, but, but that's pretty cool. Yeah, that really that cool. Sold out so quickly. Yeah. Because I didn't expect it at all. I'm with like a relatively new um, publisher based in London, yeah. and they, I think, were quite surprised as well. Really? <laughs> to be honest, yeah. <clears throat> um, otherwise, probably would have printed more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. To be um, fair, it's um. Well, I'm, I'm glad that they took took you on. Yeah, and, took a punt. And, yeah, and took a punt <laughs> and, just, and decided to print it. Cause, like, I'm hoping that this book goes a long way for you because, like, me too. I don't like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My bank balance needs it. Yeah, Jesus Christ, guys, it's been three years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Phil, Phil um, has told me some some horrible things he's had to do for money over um, the past couple of years. So please buy his book. It's been very bleak. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's there's quite mature topics in the book though, as well, at the same time as Hopefully, well. Hopefully, yeah. That, that you go into the 
I think a lot of people need to read about. And how much of that has come from your experience? Because I've seen somewhere that you went and worked with refugees or, or did yeah. some like volunteer charity work. Yeah, that's true. You've done your research. I like I've that. done. I've done your research, <laughs> which I literally I never do. But I, just, I flicked through your Instagram and saw a couple yeah, of things. Yeah, doesn't say much. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I did. I did do that. So in January 2016, yeah, right at the very start of that very weird year, um, I went to Calais with two of my friends, Bruce and Charlie. Shout out to them if they're listening. Probably not. Uh, <laughs> and we we volunteered there with a charity called Care for Calais. <laughs> Excuse me. That's right. And that is a. Uh, yeah. It was a really weird time to be there because the camp is called or was called the Jungle, which is kind of a horrible name for a refugee camp. I thought. Yeah. Um, and it was that point of I don't know if you remember like the whole European like migrant crisis they were calling it. Yeah. Where there were like thousands of people walking through Europe, effectively, from Syria and other places. Um, and a lot of them would end up at this Calais jungle camp where they would like live temporarily, try and get to the UK, mm-hmm. try and get residency in France or Belgium or other places. Um, but the time that we were there was the French government, they were trying to destroy the camp. Jesus. And it was insane. They had like bulldozers and they were tear gassing the camp. And it's just like, why are you Did doing... Did you tear gassed? No. I've been tear gassed before. It's horrible. I can imagine. Yeah. Where were you tear gassed? Yeah. In the Marines. Oh, really? Yeah. God, it's really like a test thing. Yeah, you have to like they, they do it, and it's horrible. Like it's, it's the worst thing, and I imagine it's even worse when you haven't volunteered to do it. And yeah. It's just some bell end behind a shield that's thrown it at you. That's and you it. Literally, have fled your home country because it's not safe, and then you get to somewhere where you feel you're safe. And yeah. Some twat throws a fucking grenade. At you. That's what I couldn't wrap my head around. I was just like, I just, I'm, I was like twenty, two. That's a guess. Yeah. 21, 22. And, um, like, I've never been the most well-read yeah. person on politics or anything like yeah. that. No. Um, but I just couldn't wrap my head around this, like, chatting to the, to the people there. They were just like, you know, we've, we've had to leave because there are literally bombs dropping in our hometown and stuff like that. It's just like, so why are people... Why are they trying to bulldoze your, it's like, tent, it? effectively? It's just like... Yeah, so we spent a lot of time there, like moving, literally lifting people's little temporary houses and bringing them inside this perimeter line that the yeah. French authorities had like designated as the new camp, which was like tiny. Um, so that was a big factor, um, but there were other factors as well, like gambling's a big theme throughout. Yeah, what's your experience with that? Is it? Um, I resonated quite a lot with that because I had a stage in my life where I was betting on Indian Premier League at three o'clock on a Tuesday <laughs> at work and it got to a stage where like I, I was had no money by like the tenth of the month and I just had to really I had to go into the kitchen one day and just say to my mum like she's like you're right and I was like I think I'm addicted to gambling seriously how old were yeah. you I was 21 22 yeah see I am a bit of a I've never had a big problem with it I wouldn't say but like I do and I still do. I still do like put the occasional thing on or whatever. Yeah. But growing up, when we all turned eighteen and back in Bista, and um, you're at sick form and you get free periods, and we'd just all go into town and just go into like Coral. Yeah. It's just mad, like it? I would never really gamble then. I would. Just, I was just kind of interested by everyone else like going on the roulette machines, and people would gamble like 
relatively like speaking yeah. a lot of money. a lot of money like we yeah. were all working like in shops and stuff but there were stories that went around about like there was a guy from our town that went and like played on a roulette machine and won like 25 grand nice. but then he spent the next month like in the same shop yeah lost it all and then ended up in like 15 grand of debt because he, he took out loans and stuff because he was like well I, if i did it once you know i can do it again yeah so it was <clears> that <throat> sort of idea of like well of course i'm gonna win yeah. that's what kind of billy and tommy in the book sort of think and they go to quite extreme very extreme lengths to um yeah, it's morally like, questionable. Yeah. Morally questionable. I thought I'd have, like, the vegan brigade on my case for that scene. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't don't say any more, because I want, I like, that's a nice little teaser, but um, those yeah. those machines and stuff, they're, they're mental. And that's why I thought it's like, it, it was a great part of the book, because it does open people that don't really know about why that's a problem. Yeah. Like, it, it opens their eyes up. There's, like, gambling, refugees, that's two major things. My uncle has done very, very well out of gambling, but really? he doesn't gamble. He used to like work quite high up in like Labrooks and Coral and stuff like that. Oh, that's interesting. Um, and like, there's a lot of money in it, and the reason is, is everyone that's on those machines is paying yeah. wages. He used to be a consultant in like the design of those games. Really? Yeah. So they are seriously addictive. I never really got hooked on them, but I used to, like I said. We'd just be like these 18 year old little weirdos going into coral and like get a sandwich in town and they'd all like play on those machines people would just be sat on them all day mate yeah it's so bizarre i couldn't wrap my head around it i don't and you see those old guys in there they're That's betting it. on like virtual horse races yeah so is that what you oh what's that in the book i can't remember you probably can't remember i either, can't right? either <laughs> it should be if it's not because that is something that also like going into that environment for the first time you're just like what? It's mental. Well, you'll see us probably both in forty years. I'll go. Yeah. Oh, Phil. How the fuck we get here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a strange one, mate. Right. Let's talk about the romance side of the book, because obviously, all everything Billy does in mm. this book is is for love, and is that something? <clears throat> is it kind of autobiographical? That like you would go to extreme lengths for love and have, have like had that bite you on the arse in the past or do you know what actually no wow. <laughs> lucky not, no I probably would I probably would go to maybe not to the length that Billy goes to yeah if you're good if you're listening she'll she'll be fucking livid no I'm joking <laughs> uh, <laughs> Billy the thing is with Billy he's a bit of a stalker which I'm surprised no one's really picked up on yet um, like he literally I don't know if I should say it. Yeah. He goes across Europe. He literally, goes, yeah, I think it's in the blurb, so fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he literally, yeah, chases Eva across Europe um, to try and, like, reconcile and get back together with her. Um, would I do that? Maybe. <laughs> Have I done that? No. <laughs> I think if you were um, invited, you'd be like, yeah, go on then. Yeah. But, but actually, she does invite him. Yeah, kind sort of. of. Like, Eva's a very weird, complex, cold character for yeah, me. Like, bitch. mixed signals. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, she's like the queen of ghosting for me. Um, yeah. She's like, the whole, even from the get go, she's like, not really into it, but kind of is. Yeah. Is she isn't she. Um, but Billy's obviously just like, she's amazing. She's older. She's from Switzerland. Like, she's exotic. 
Yeah. <laughs> so have you haven't fallen in love with a girl from Switzerland before? No, I haven't. No. Um, Me neither, to be fair. I actually, I have met a girl from Switzerland once. I was in a kayak tour in Byron Bay. Yeah. And this well-fit girl from Switzerland was like, hey, um, <laughs> do you want a partner for this? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> she was banging. And then I was sat at the back of the kayak and I was just watching her just take photos the whole time. I was fuming. Like, <laughs> like there was no way I was getting So you were doing the legwork? I was doing all of the work at the back of this kayak and she was just enjoying the scenes and I was so pissed off. Yeah, I was like, this is why. Did she get you to take pictures of her? Nah. I would have refused anyway. Some I wanted to lining. tip her out. Yeah. <laughs> you can't because they kind of get eaten by sharks and stuff. <laughs> but um, I think that, that was one thing that I think will ring trite, quite true for people in the book. It's like, when people just go for silly lengths for yeah. like in the name of love yeah. and they think it's a really good idea at the time and then yeah. it's like you look back in the year and you're like I'm mental <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well that's the thing with Billy he's head over, head over heels but also I think he's more trying to escape his shitty life at home yeah and I think by the end He's kind of figured that out. That's sort of what I was getting at with the ending, yeah. which I won't give away. Um, but you'll be familiar with. Yes, um, yeah. He's sort of, yeah, figuring himself out as well as obviously going to ridiculous lengths to try and get what he wants, which he might or might not get. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, annoying because I can't say. But. Yeah. Well, I mean, you obviously can. It's up to you whether you want to give it away. But like, um, I probably shouldn't, right? Yeah, probably shouldn't. Um, let's. There's a lot about religion. Yeah. You know, but like undertones. Yeah. That like it's quite subtle. Mm. Um, is that something that you've like grown up with um, religion forced upon you, and you try and like reject it, or are you just like an atheist and you? you... Yeah, I've never really seen eye to eye with all the god bothering. Mm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And. Yeah, my family aren't religious at all. Um, I think it was something that from quite an early age, I was like, what is this about? This is all bullshit, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and I think around the time I was writing it, I can't really remember exactly how it was coming up, but it, it was something that kept coming. I think it maybe even, it was probably Ricky Gervais was always talking about how it doesn't make any sense. And like, I, I yeah. love Ricky Gervais and he's obviously one of the, best comedians about um, but the way he talks about atheism is exactly how I feel pretty yeah, much yeah you know I, 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 I feel that I definitely identify with like pretty much everything Ricky Gervais says because he's a pessimist yeah and like <laughs> yeah. and I, I feel like that like I've, well since meeting you this morning I feel like yeah do you know what like yeah. we're just pretty pessimistic and I think that'll work in our favour like because you yeah. just say shit how it is yeah yeah um, was that a, did you decide like early on in your life that you were like an atheist? That's a really good question. Because I can point out the time that I did. Can you? I yeah. couldn't, I don't think. I think, um, I don't know. I think it was just the, just being like the Bible being like taught and read to you at school in certain passages, just like, Make sense. I'm not sure about that. Feeding the five thousand. Yeah, not buying it, mate. There's. Um, <laughs> I listened to a podcast yesterday. Um, Joe Rogan, this, and some bloke who's written a book called The Immortality Key. Yeah. And he basically explains 
psychedelics role in the origins of religion. Really? And it was one of the most interesting podcasts I've ever listened to, obviously apart from my own. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and they're just talking about like the burning tree when Moses is spoken to and it's like a plant that has DMT in it um, or ayahuasca and <laughs> like the origins of the Christmas story. So the elves are the mechanical elves that people um, see when they do DMT and reindeers <laughs> in Serbia there's a certain strain of like psilocybin mushroom that is more potent when it passes through a reindeer and like you eat it out of their shit basically. seriously um, how do people figure that shit out mate this guy's done like 12 years of like solid research traveling the world That's with incredible. no funding to write this book it's so really? so interesting need to check that out um, but yeah I, I think like religion is such a strange thing me and like when books go into religion mm. and they talk about God it frustrates me or it, it used to yeah. I now I'm just like I just try and take the word God out of it and just let people trust in whatever they trust in yeah yeah um, in terms of their spirituality whatever that is but I can't cross my legs now as an adult because I didn't when I was a kid because all I wanted to do when everyone was in like school yeah. like a Church of England school so you all pray at lunch and stuff yeah yeah I would sit on my knees looking for other kids that weren't praying whilst everyone else had their legs crossed. Mate, tight hip flexors. Tight hip flexors, yeah. <laughs> That's the price you pay, mate, for, yeah. for being an atheist. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, um... <laughs> There's so, a definite, like... Sorry, just going back to... Yeah. The way... For me, gambling in the book ties into religion, which I don't know whether people pick up on. Um, they might do, they might not. But for me, it was like more of a more seeing like faith as the overarching theme. Whether you put your faith into the bet you place on the weekend, or the you know whether you're going red or black on the roulette wheel or whatever, or whether you believe like Christoph does that his wife was saved by um, like spirits, effectively. Um, hope that's not a spoiler. It might be a bit. Nah. Does not doesn't matter. Um, so it's about faith and like where you kind of place your faith, rather than about God or some higher being. It's more about what you believe in and what you believe is going to save you. Because I think that's what gambling kind of is in a way. You're like, I'm putting my faith in this bet, and it's going to save me. It's going to give me wealth. It's going to give me joy, happiness. Um, which obviously a bit like religion. I think it doesn't tend to. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I get that. It's one of those things like. Why do people believe in God? Why do people gamble? And that, and it's like that escape. Like, yeah. Why does Billy go on this journey? Yeah. yeah. Why does? Um, I'm trying to think of another example from the book. He hasn't read the book. Yeah. God damn it! I'm, I've been caught out. I read the blurb, thought it was sick, and I'm like, yes, come on the podcast. <laughs> Just sign the book for me, and you can go. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. Escapism is a massive. I mean, it's probably the cent- one of the central themes. Is that um, why you went to um, Calais? Um, maybe in a sort of subconscious or non-conscious way. Yeah. If you want to put what it that way. What was going on? Had you just graduated and then... Yeah, I just graduated and I was writing the book and following the news with like the European migrant crisis going on, as they call it... Um, and I'd got to, or Billy had got to the bit in the book where he was walking with refugees. And I was just like, I don't want to write this really. Like, this is 
this is bullshit effectively because like, I haven't like ever met a refugee I've never yeah. lived that I've never you know I'm just going to be like piggybacking effectively off the back of someone else's experience which I wasn't really comfortable with yeah so I went um, I met oh no actually first of all I watched a film called We Walk Together which was on the Guardian website I think a yeah. guy called John John Demokos he basically went to Budapest and there were like thousands of migrants trapped or stuck at the train station there and like the Hungarian government were like yeah we're not going to have anything to do with you basically so just whatever and he just went there and they just all decided they were like alright fuck it let's just walk so they walked to Germany Man. and John who I went and met and spoke with um, he basically was just like alright like we were only meant to be here for a day and just see what's going on in Budapest but let's walk to I think they walked to Munich um, which is hundreds if not thousands of miles yeah. oh so he walked with them so he walked with them and it's an amazing 15 minute short film documentary that he, he did and I saw that and I was like shit I need to meet this guy yeah um, so I went to meet him back end of 2015 probably and he was like go to Calais like you want to learn about people's experiences go to Calais and I was quite scared. I was like, what's it going to be like? like are they going to yeah. be like aggressive towards me and stuff? Which was so stupid because you get there and it's like everyone's absolutely lovely. Yeah. Um, but it's not your fault that you thought that. That's, that is exactly into you. Yeah, exactly. Like, by the media nowadays, like they force these opinions. And there's the, the illusion of free will. Like, yeah. we don't actually have free will. We don't have our own opinions because it's all not to be all like conspiracy theories, but like <laughs> it's forced upon us that these things aren't like organic thoughts. Like the reason that you thought to be scared was because of the reputation and the reputation comes from the media. Exactly. I mean, even, uh, I forget who it was. It was either my parents or someone else or like friends of the family were like, well, you know that there are terrorists. You know that there are terrorists there, don't you? I was like, are there? Are there terrorists mm. living in like... <laughs> Tents yeah. that, not even tents, like tarpaulins with a bit of like plywood. It's just yeah. like, I'm not sure they are. Like, yeah. are there highly organized terrorist people there? Was it, how, how long were you there for? Uh, just a week. Yeah. But it was, was it moving? Like, yeah, it was horrible. It was, it was weird actually because there was like, everyone there was so positive. I couldn't really get my head around it. Yeah. But you know, I met people that had tried to like swim the channel. And I was like, it's January. Like they tried to swim it in like December. Got rescued and like put into a French hospital with hypothermia, like nearly died. Um, yeah, I met some incredible people there. Like I had my hair cut because they had like businesses there. Yeah. Shops, barbers. I got my hair cut there by an engineer. And I was like, you're way more intelligent than me. Yeah. You're like, you've, you know, you've got skills that you can build bridges with yeah what can I do I can't fucking Far do anything helpful to exactly society. I just write grotty fucking... bastard in Bradford <laughs> no offence to in Bradford but like, honestly the, it blew my mind mate. The, the stereotype of people that complain about <clears throat> the, like refugees like the word refugee like and like seeking asylum is like yeah it's not about just like oh, just going somewhere for the sake of it for like, a free ride yeah yeah like it blows, it pisses me off that kind of stuff um, yeah me too and it's it's 
it's nice that you've got out to see it and I'm quite envious I think I will do something like that at some stage yeah I think um, it's worthwhile because yeah like, this is real mm. stuff that's going on and, and when you watch it in the news it's just like you're watching a TV programme yeah you've seen it like first hand yeah and like would you, will you go and do something like that again or? I'd like to yeah I mean the camp is as far as I'm aware it's not there especially not well certainly not in the capacity that we um, work there it was demolished and you know pretty much flattened by the French government um, oh. but the people are still there like yeah. well, not in that site but people are scattered living in forests and things like that now which doesn't really make that much sense to me like surely you're better off having a formalised like yeah place for people that are displaced but um, yeah I would like to do it again I don't know how or when or yeah. where but um, yeah some of the volunteers there I'd met have been out to like Gaza and all kinds of places and done yeah, this work yeah. and I was like wow like what have I been doing yeah <laughs> it does make you think but it's, uh, I feel like people almost don't want to do it nowadays because they feel like people will judge them for virtue signaling there's that as well yeah but like if you're not doing it because you think someone's gonna like all say all oh, your virtues and well, you're not doing anything yeah, yeah. Like you, you rather go and help for the sake of making people think that you're helpful if that's the motive than mm. just not help at all and these people are left like on their own and yeah like, how much nicer were the like the people in these camps than the people you see walking around London every day oh <laughs> I think uh, one of the biggest shocks for me was that you'd walk around and like we were doing various things like, like I said, moving their temporary housing earlier. We would hand out food and things like that. You just walk around the camp and people would just invite you into their, I don't know what to call it. Like it was like a temporary house. Yeah. They'd just invite you in and be like, do you want to have some tea? It's like, yeah. Yeah. I was a bit scared. I was like, yeah, that's a huge part of, I think the Middle Eastern culture probably is like, yeah. come and have some tea with us. Like, just have it's a strange chat. how no one tried to blow you up, isn't it? How like and no one stabbed me. Yeah, yeah. like what the hell? <laughs> who who would have thought it? Yeah. There's good people out there that need to seek refuge yeah. in a nicer country than the one they live in. Exactly, mate. <laughs> so yeah, it was um, an important experience, I think, especially at that age. I was like, like yourself, I think I've always been like left-leaning and probably a bit more sympathetic or empathetic yeah. um, than a lot of people in our country are. Yeah, yeah. Um, hopefully I don't get attacked now by the right wing. Oh, um, fuck them. <laughs> not, not, like, not like just people that like vote in a certain way, but I just mean like people that have a genuine issue with someone trying to flee somewhere yeah. that will fucking kill them, that, that they want to swim across a 30-mile channel, if not more. Mate. In December, um, yeah. If you think like anything negative about that, fuck you. Yeah, I agree. Like, let's <laughs> not worry about them. Yeah, because they're not going to buy your book anyway. <laughs> yeah. Like, they, they, they literally fucking hate buy it. it. Yeah. yeah, they hate it anyway. I mean, they might buy it and put some money in your pocket. But like, they won't like. They won't like it because it, it's 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 written in, in from a compassionate person. Yeah, like, that's the right word. That's the word yeah. I was reaching for. Um, they might they might identify with the dad character. He's yes. a hero. <laughs> yeah, that's some that's something I wanted to get into. Like the the dad is just a twat, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Is your dad a twat? No, my dad's lovely. I yeah. feel bad. But I think he was like, 
I read the first page and um, I don't remember you ever punching me in the face. I was like, Dad, it's not an autobiography. Yeah. <laughs> like, However, it is written like an autobiography. I really like how it's written. In first um, person. Weird, weird thing. But yeah, you know the word for it. I don't even yeah, know the word yeah. for it. First person. I, I love that. Did you? That's interesting. Because yeah. I think people, when they pick up a novel, maybe tend to expect it to be in like third person. Yeah. Like a bit more of a like omniscient perspective. But... I didn't really, I don't really like writing like that. No, yeah. <laughs> I quite like to get into a character, um, and I find it easier to. Although it does limit you in some ways, but like, like you said, I think you get more on board with the character, and you're like on their side, and you can root yeah. them a bit more. Um, because you're in their head, aren't you? Yeah, like, exactly. Did you find yourself almost like a method actor, like you you were Billy some days? In a way, yeah, in a kind of horrible way sometimes of like, what would Billy do here? Which is kind of like this weird, warped, like yeah. awkward, even more awkward and like extreme version of myself in some ways. I'm yeah, just like, yeah. how can I like take that and like distort it and make it like something strange that Billy would do or think or say? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it is, it's emotionally exhausting because you're like kind of pretending to be someone else for... 80,000 words. Um, it's a lot of words. Isn't it's it? a long. I mean, my first draft, mate, was 120. Oh, shit. Yeah, so I had to cut a lot of shit out of it. <laughs> yeah. But it's a, all a learning process, you know. Like, if I was to do another one, I'd learn a lot of lessons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you, um, like, what, what was your writing process like? Because obviously you were doing it alongside working. How many hours a day were you putting in? Like, what? How did you like set yourself up for it? Um, that's a really good question, actually. It did vary quite a lot. So before I started at the bar, I could put a bit more time in. Um, and when I started the project, I was like super enthusiastic. I was like, I'm going to write like 5,000 words a day or more. But, you know, most of that ends up getting cut just because you're like super keen and like just trying to get as much down as possible. When I started at the bar, I would... So my shifts were either like 5pm or 7pm start through till 3 o'clock in the morning. Mm. And then after a couple of drinks after work, you know, you're getting home at like 5, 6, yeah. 7 sometimes. Seven. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, oh, I feel fucking gross the next day. But you kind of, I made myself get up at like midday. Yeah. Latest. Um, and then I'd put in three to four hours if I could. Probably more often like two. Yeah. Um, just go and get a coffee and just try and make myself feel a bit better. <laughs> and just get, you know, 500,000 words down. Yeah. Um, and then go back to work and do it all did again. Did you ever, um, feel free not to answer this, mm. but like, did you ever <laughs> write under the influence of anything? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Quite a lot, I think. Like, um, helpful? Mm, there's an old saying and I think write drunk edit sober okay which I don't know if I agree with 50-50 uh, maybe I think there's a big problem for me and probably for a lot of writers that you sit down to write and you're like kind of second guessing everything you do and like yeah you're a bit like oh I hate that sentence and like even the process of like sitting down to write is so cringe and like sometimes I'm just like oh <laughs> Um, so I kind of get that in a way, although I don't think 
it improved my writing at all. It probably mm-hmm. just allowed me to whack a bit more down on the page. Yeah. Um, that loss of filter probably helped. Exactly. That yeah. is exactly it. And then, yeah, edits over. But, I mean, editing is the worst. Yeah. Like, we've already sort of chatted about, like, going back through something that you've either filmed or yeah. recorded or written is just, like, exhausting and a bit, like, unbearable at times. But yeah. it's got to be done. Did you ever have times where you'd, like, you'd be out you'd be pissed and then you'd be like I've got the best idea for the book I need to like get home now and, and write it or like when you got home you'd be like oh, I thought of this earlier I need to write it down um, yes I never left I would never leave and go and do it <laughs> not that committed to the cause yeah um, but I did have a long old note section in my iPhone where I was just like someone just said that like that's funny I'll, I'll write that down yeah um, basically all you do is steal everyone else's good shit and just <laughs> Pass yeah. it off as your own. Um, I like that. I yeah, mean, I, I, like I think that's something that's not spoken about is the fact that um, like you have to kind of like ethically steal from people. Oh, hundred percent. And like if it's just a sentence, like who gives a shit? Like, yeah. you, you wrote an eighty thousand word book. Like you can take someone's joke. Like that's absolutely fine. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. You've got to try and weave it in somehow and shoehorn yeah. in. I mean, like a few of the boys from back home have noticed, like little personal jokes that I've like managed to like wedge into the book which yeah, I yeah. quite like but also I think they're a bit like come on mate where's my credit <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah you can't you can't give credit to everyone because like it's like we're talking about like the opinions and stuff like not your own it's formed by the stuff around you so there's obviously going to be stuff that's like oh I said that first it's like well you should have read it first yeah <laughs> should have got it down on paper shouldn't you I um I because I I find that like anything that I have an idea for that I want to write or like with the podcast like if I go for a walk in an evening and I've like smoked a joint or something I'll have the best ideas mm-hmm. and then I'll have to get it down <laughs> on my like notes on my phone I've got like over two hundred notes from the last like six months on my phone Shit. I don't even look at them like, yeah. I, just, I write it down at the time and then I'm like every now and then I'll I'll look at it and I'm like oh my god that was such a good idea I do that as well yeah. <laughs> Cause, uh, it's, it's surprising how much of it is actually useful oh I would keep God. going 100% because like if you, I, I think we spoke about your thing about writing as well you go back to that and you're like yeah alright I can get that I can use that and like I don't know it sets you off in that thought process again I just think it's useful as a bank of like material to just like dip in and out of yeah 100% that was one of the most useful things for me and I need to start doing that again actually really good thing to do Right, there's one one more thing I want to um, talk about before I let you go, mm-hmm. and I want to know the inspiration behind like this part of the book, and it is on the blurb, it's the granddad getting with the younger woman, <laughs> so <laughs> where's this come from? <laughs> Thankfully it's not uh, a life thing, I yeah. haven't experienced that, I mean I'm not a granddad, <laughs> so, no, no. but no, my grandparents have never done that. Um, where did it, I don't actually know where it came from mate, to be honest, it was just like a one of those setups where you're like, how can I put extreme stress on this character? Yes. Okay. And extract like some fun out of basically yeah, yeah. and some conflict. Did you do it to fuck with the dad in the book? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Nice. The dad is like <laughs> the character that I'm just like, how can I fuck with the dad? Like <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Okay, I got you. And the mum, actually, as well. Like they're both just so irritating. Yeah. Um and the granddad's just like pretty sound. He's just like yeah <laughs> yeah got a, got a nice uh, younger wife but um, I think in early drafts 
Benny, which is his like wife to be, is more of a sort of like stodgy character. Okay. So it was a bit more apparent that she was like trying to scam him. But in the sort of later drafts and final version, her character's a bit more like nuanced, I guess, and a bit it's a, kind of unclear whether she wants his money yeah, or whether yeah, she I actually rates him. Um which I quite like and I don't know. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of how I want it to be. I don't know whether that might piss people off a bit because a few readers want like black and white, like it's either this or that. And like I've had a couple of people message me about the ending being like, what happened then, mate? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's just like, I, it's kind of, a lot of it is open for interpretation, which I think some people really like. I, I really, like that. I really like that in a book. Yeah. I don't like to be told like, every loose end is tied up neatly in a bow and given to you because life's not like that like no it's not you have relationships with people and you're like mm, still unsure whether we're alright or like what's happened there can we still chat like is there Mate, I love that Do you, yeah yeah that's fucking brilliant <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad because yeah. I think a lot of books maybe more sort of classic literature is a bit more wrapped up in a bow for mm. you um, but more contemporary stuff I think tends to be a bit more open-ended and a bit more like open for interpretation yeah which is what I was obviously leaning towards and also it makes life a bit easier like oh I don't have to give you a cut and dry yeah, um, yeah. you can do some of the work yourself you lazy fuck yeah yeah nice <laughs> yeah I like that <laughs> please buy his book <laughs> I am um, I, I think that's brilliant like because life literally doesn't you don't get a set like ending to everything in your life you do exactly. you are left on the edge and I suppose what you're doing is just giving people a bit of training and being better at yeah being left well like with their imagination because that's the the beautiful thing about like a novel is when you're reading it you're imagining the whole thing yeah and as you like as the chapters go on as soon as you put that book down you're thinking about what could happen and yeah. you're leaving an imprint with the reader with this book because they're thinking about stuff that might happen. Yeah, yeah. And they might, in a month's time, but what the fuck happened there? Yeah. <laughs> it still mess- haunts hey, me. Are you doing a book two yet? <laughs> nah. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> so fuck you. <laughs> That's exactly it though. Like, I love it when I, when I put a book down and like the story is still working its way through my head. Yeah. And sometimes... Um, I feel guilty about not reading but I, I just finished a really great book called it's got the weirdest I mean it's got a worse title than mine which is mm. nice uh, <laughs> it's called HHHH and it's a historical World War 2 book but mm. it's this the author is kind of like wrestling with the idea of writing non-fiction and like interjects throughout the narrative he's like well I don't know if I should be writing this Yeah. Like, I don't know if I should be making up stuff about this World War Two general, and it's—I think you'd love it actually. It's sick. Yeah. Um, but you put it down, and it's like, obviously, it's non-fiction to an extent, but it's still working its way through my head. Okay. And I'm still sort of processing it, and I love that. You know, a week after finishing a book, and you're still like, in that headspace and in that book yeah. to some extent. Um, so if I've recreated that in any small, tiny way, I'll be well happy yeah nice. <laughs> that's that is brilliant um I, I mean i haven't asked you about any other books but the one the one question i always ask people on is like what's the, the number one book that you, you would gift to someone and obviously 
you're going to say your own at the moment, no. so you can't, you can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> but like, what over the recent years, what's been the one book you've been you found yourself maybe like buying or recommending the most? That's such a good question. Um, I'm a bit of a scatter going on that actually. I do try and tailor it to the person as well. Yeah. Um, so, for one that I would say, one that I would recommend for you highly actually, yeah. if you enjoyed mine would be Ham and Rye by Charles Bukowski. Ham and Rye. Because it's another sort of coming of age thing, but it's set in America. Uh, it's really funny. It's really sad as well, though. Um, Sounds like me. Yeah, you're a sad really man. Funny, really <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's it's just so nicely written. I think you'd really love it. It kind yeah. of takes, takes you on this journey from the character's early childhood up to... I mean, at the end, he kind of goes off to war. Um, and there are so many nice moments. I should have bought it with me, actually. I should have bought a copy for you. No. I think I've, I might have given it out already. Should have, would have, could have. Well, I hope you have given it out, you know, because then that means that you do really want people to read it. Yeah, I do. That's the thing. I'm left with just shit books on my bookshelf. <laughs> me too. Because I just give all the nice <laughs> ones to other people. Yeah, good. Um, but yeah, no, that would be one I'd recommend for sure. Nice. Perfect. Well, um, well, we'll wrap it up there. Where where can the people find you? Where can they find your book? I'll by the way, I'll put like a link and stuff in, in the description you. for everyone. Um but yeah. People can find me on Instagram Philip Bown. Um one L. Didn't quite deserve two L's. And Twitter I'm Chumpy Bloke, which is a bit controversial. Um or my website's just philipbound.com if you want to learn a bit more about the book. Um I think that's it. Yeah? Yeah, I think so. And what's like who is your book? best for ah oh, such a good question I'm still figuring it out but having met you and chatted to you about it I'd say young guys that don't read which makes me quite an unmarketable author because uh, <laughs> <laughs> people people that would like it don't tend to read I think um, yeah I would say people that want a bit of escapism people that if we're going into another lockdown you want to go visit Europe but you can't this is perfect go on holiday yeah. <laughs> nice well, thank you very much for coming on, Bill. I will thank stop you recording right now. So thank you very much for listening there, guys. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I loved having a chat with Phil. It was nice to pick his brains about a few things, obviously going into a few important topics there as well. But yeah, that is it for this episode. Uh, final word from the sponsors, and that is at puresportscbd.com. Now, CBD, not everyone likes it. Not everyone believes in it. I personally do. It helps my sleep, helps my anxiety. They're even selling it in petrol stations now, so you know it's probably legit. Um, but just on a side note there, before we finish this uh, sponsor bit, my mum told me never to get flowers for anyone from a garage, um, and I think it's probably the same for CBD. So if you do want to get CBD, head to puresportcbd.com, and once you've done a little quiz, worked out what CBD products you want to get, Go to the checkout, pop in a need to read 20 and shock, you'll get 20% off. So you're welcome. If you enjoy it, let me know. I love getting good feedback about the sponsors because like I say, I pick these to make sure that I'm not just saying, hey, I've got some toothpaste that I'm really enjoying. I want to make sure that these are legit and it seems so far that they are. So thank you very much for listening. Once again, puresportcbd.com. A need to read 20 is 20% off. And then if you missed it from the sponsors from the start, it's betterhelp.com forward slash a need to read and you get 
off of your first month of online counselling slash therapy. But that's it from me. I hope you're all well. I hope you all have a good week. Sorry that we're all in lockdown. It was nothing to do with me, but I hope you're all well. Take it easy. Love you. Bye.